Good morning, City Church. Man, it's good to be here this morning. One less hour of sleep. Or who here is smart enough to go to bed an hour early? Anybody? We have like three. Okay. Yeah, the rest of us are a little bit groggy, aren't we? But that's all right. I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad to be here. Um, it, was, it was wonderful having one less hour of sleep. Can I get an amen? Amen, that's right, all right. Okay, so here we go, the favorite part, everybody comes to church specifically for the dad jokes. I've got a couple of them, and I gotta tell you, one's a little edgy, so and we'll just go ahead and start with that one. If Joe Biden's wife was called the first lady, who do you call his mother? Joe Mama. Yeah. Who said that, did someone say Eve? That's really messed up. I got gas the other day for $1.57. Yeah, it was at Taco Bell. And you know what? I, I'm done. There's, there's more, but I, I feel like I've, ex- I've worn out all the grace that you're going to give me this morning. So, yeah, that's right. I tell you, I'm, I'm, a, big, I'm a sports fan. How many of you guys are into March Madness, uh, the basketball, like watching this thing? Anybody got any brackets? Anybody doing brackets this year? Anybody? No? No? No bracket or people? Okay, that's cool. I never really got into that either. But um, I always was fascinated how people would do so much research and, like, bracket the whole thing out and try to. I'm more of a football fan, I'll be honest. Like, I like to play basketball. I watch them. And Steph Curry's pregame routine is pretty legit like it's unbelievable that guy but uh, but really I'm a Broncos fan NFL Broncos fan and uh yeah that's right and for the last few years I have not been wearing very much Broncos gear because they haven't been doing very well I'll be honest I'll be honest but I am fired up because we just stole Russell Wilson and got him over to our team and so I think this year we're gonna have a pretty good team we have a new coach we stole Green Bay's Packers offensive coordinator come on that's right all the Packer fans that's right they, uh, and then uh, any Seahawk fans, there's not many of those left in the world, but, but we, we, we took their quarterback, so, so he's ready to win some Super Bowls, and we are too, so I think it's good, but I'm full of hope. I'm going to buy his new jerseys, I'm going to buy hats. Yesterday I was wearing socks, Broncos socks. I, I'm telling you, I think I'm going to get loaded up on, on some more gear. You know, it's fun in our society to be bold about our team, isn't it? It's fun to be like, you, you, you suit up, you wear, you know, you, even in your down seasons, I see people still wearing like Cowboys gear for the last like 20 years. And like, those are true fans right there, right? And as people, yeah, I know, hands are blowing up all around this room. That's right. As people are getting saved. And so, that's right. Yep. Yep. Turn from your wicked ways. The, but you know, you wear this Cowboys gear all the time. And, and then people are like, you start these conversations when you wear a football team or a baseball team. And people you don't even know are like, yeah, go get it. And they give you a high five or some knuckles or, you know, whatever they do now and, and with, with COVID. And, and, and they, you know, but you end up with like starting conversations with strangers because you're wearing something on you that like starts this conversation. It's fun to be a sports fan in our culture. And we get to be bold and proud and, 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 and in what we're, what we're saying and what we're, what we're doing. You know, it's easy to be bold and it's easy to stand strong and it's easy to be out there with things that are acceptable in our culture. Pick something that's unacceptable and all of a sudden you have a very polarizing view. Right? You can wear a politician's name on a shirt or a hat or, or whatever else, and, and half the people are going to be like, yeah, and the other half people are really going to hate on you. Pick your politician. Doesn't matter. Really. We're half and half in our country. It's easy to be bold about things that are acceptable. What about those things that aren't? I mean, what happens in, like, even being bold with our faith? What if we're bold as believers in like who we are and what we stand for and we're standing up for right and wrong and, and we're standing up for God's word and, and as we start to take a stand in our life, even that can be controversial. 
It can be controversial in this world and this culture. Our culture has made a big shift in the last two years right through COVID. We were drifting, but there was an accelerator that happened, and, and boom, we changed gears. And, and as a believer, I don't know about you, but for me, I'm looking and thinking, how did we all of a sudden make these radical shifts so quickly? And what does that mean when, when you're talking about God's word and living a Christian life when things around us are shifting in a way that seem counter um, against, or against God's word? And, and it's just an interesting time to be in. We live in a time when everybody talks about the differences of opinions are valued. They talk about, oh, what if, you know, we, we have tolerance, acceptance for all, except for you because you're different than me. And then they get canceled because they said something that somebody doesn't agree with. And it's kind of this weird time where I don't know, I mean, I haven't been on this rock for that long, but I've been here long enough that I don't think I've ever seen it this bad in my lifetime. And, and I'm, a, I'm, I'm not a young guy. I'm not an old guy. We talked about this a few, about, what, two years ago, three years ago? Maybe, maybe, maybe you just don't remember, but we had the age groups, right? We have our, you know, we have our 20s, yeah, our 30s, yeah. And then, and then um, you know, I was like, do we celebrate the 40s? That's where it gets a little shifty, you know, and then 50s, like, you know, and, then, and I realized when I was in my, my life, my life just tends to get better and better and better and better. And so I just decided that after 40, life was just awesome. And so now we have this awesome category, right? So I'm entered into the awesome category of humanity. How many awesome folks? We got some awesome folks in the room, right? And so here, you've crossed the line into the awesome category. And because, uh, you know, we don't, there's a point in, in our country where we just stop talking about our age that much, you know? And if you do, you're probably lying about it. We cancel people. They're different than what we believe. How many people have unfriended somebody on Facebook or a social media platform because their viewpoints were different than yours and you just didn't want to hear it anymore? How many times has that happened? How many times have we blocked somebody? I'm not saying you should or shouldn't, but that's just the culture that we're in. If I don't want to hear or see anything that's different than what I believe and see and, and feel, I'm just going to click a button and get rid of you. It's an interesting world we live in. I think persecution against differing beliefs in our country is higher than any other time that I've seen it. So how? How do we stand strong? How do we as believers stand strong in a culture when the pressure is high and the heat is turned up? How can we stand strong in a culture of compromise? How can we stand strong in a culture of compromise? Last week, we started this series called Stand Strong, and and we talked about the names that, that the world will want to give us. And, and, and we want to adapt. We don't want to adopt those names. We want to keep the name that God has given us. Our identity isn't found in what people to the left and right say about us. Our identity is found in what God says about us. Because if we're children of God, then our, then our heavenly father is who determines who we are. I named my kids. God's named you. Don't let somebody else name you. When we were naming our kids, and um, we had to run them through the middle school filter. And, and, and you know what I'm talking about? Like, you got to figure out what rhymes with that name. Like, like what, what, what single letter could they change and make it from, like, a name that's really nice and sweet to something that's not nice and sweet? You know, and I'm not even going to go into those potential names because those potential names might be here today or watching online. And I don't want to offend you at all. My wife is like, she, you're nervous. I'm like, no, what are you doing? <laughs> so I'm telling you, I, I'm not going to, I know they're going to cancel us. I, but, you know, I don't, I don't want to go into, into that one there. Right? But, you know, like, like it, it, there's, there's one that's like, it's a beautiful name. We almost made it through the cut. It's called Ophelia. And, and we talked about it and we thought, yeah, but in middle school, some kid could be like, well, I'll feel you. And you're like, 
no, that's not going to, you know, and like things like that. How do you, you know, and, 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 and then some names came up and it was like, well, I knew somebody with that name and I didn't like them. So I don't want to name my kid that because I have my own personal scar from something. You know, am I the only judgy one here? Okay, all right, all right. Some other people are here, right? Listen, the world will give you some names. You don't have to take those names that it's given you. Those, those labels and those things, that, like you don't have to adopt that just because somebody's given it to you. Just because you had an experience, just because something went one way and it failed doesn't mean you're a failure, right? Just because something didn't go the way that you wanted it to and you got hurt, that doesn't mean that you're stuck there. Your identity isn't found in that. Your identity is found in who God says that you are. That was last week we were talking about that and how they renamed Daniel um, and the other three guys into Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And and so these names weren't the names that God gave them. Those names were the names that that the country that conquered them gave them. Today I want to talk about this idea of who will I worship? Who will I worship? We live in a culture where it's celebrated about material things. People talk about, they, they celebrate that on, on another level. And in fact, people will do things that maybe they would not have normally done in order to gain those material things. We see people that are making decisions with, um, with their life, to, they're making sacrifices that they wouldn't normally make in order to get certain things in their life. Because they're making these sacrifices, it's like you're almost worshiping this other thing, whether it be material things or success or, or power or, or, or notoriety or, or, or fame or, or whatever it might be. So the question is, who will you bow down and worship? And will you have the courage to be able to stand up against what the world is trying to sell us and say, no, we're going to um, worship the one true God. And we're going to live like he tells us to live in his word. Being courageous and standing firm. You see, courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is standing firm in despite your fear. Because the most courageous people out there are still battling fear. They've just made a decision that I'm going to stand strong in the midst of my fear. So we're in the book of Daniel. That's where we've been yesterday, last week, yesterday, last week, and then this week, and then the next couple of weeks as well. And so today we're going to be in Daniel chapter 3, if you have your Bibles with you. Um, if you don't, we will have it up on the big screens, um, but, uh, or if you have an app on your phone, that's good as well. But we have this, um, this situation where King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon has conquered the, the, um, the Jewish people, the Israel, Israel people, Israelites, and, and he's taken them, and he's done, he captures them, he brings them back, and, and he puts a bunch of them as slaves, and then he takes the, like, the elite ones, you know, the, the best-looking, most successful, you know, people like you and I, and, and they're, they're now at the top of, of the list, and they try to brainwash them, essentially, make them in leaders so that they become, it's this whole acculturation process that they're trying to enculturate these people into their society rather than just go into their town and just kill them all, because that's what they did back then. And, and so, so along the way, we don't know why, but for some unknown reason, King Nebuchadnezzar decides to build this statue. They say it's 90 feet tall. That's, that's pretty tall. Um, and it is gold and it is beautiful. And people from all over the region uh, come to the grand opening. And, and so they're coming from all over to, to this thing. They, they say that this is what historians are estimating, that there was about 300,000 people gathered for the dedication service of this um, giant gold statue. So we, we pick up this story in, in chapter 3. Daniel's not in this chapter, which is interesting. I think he was away on business or something. I'm not really sure. He had a vacation. Um, 
You know, yeah, he's out on the beach somewhere missing this, this action. So Daniel chapter 3, verses 4 is where we're going to pick up. And it says, And the herald proclaimed aloud, You are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, and every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. At this point, every Jewish person has an option. They have a choice. They're in this culture. They're either going to bow down to this golden thing, which is against their faith and their religion to worship some golden image, or they're going to stand up and get thrown into the fiery furnace and be killed. It's a tough decision. Who do I worship? Do I reject my godly heritage? I know I grew up with this, but now everybody else isn't doing this. Everybody else is doing it this way, and I'm not really sure because all my friends and my peers are going to do this. Should, should I do this? We've all been in situations where our, what we were raised with, what we were trained with, what we, what we know in our knower to be true, and we end up in a situation in life where it's like, I have to make this decision. Am I going to stand on what I know is true, or am I going to just fall in line with what the crowd is going and what, what the people around me are saying? It, it, we all have to face that, but they're in the middle of one of these crises. Do I step in line with the cultural beliefs of my captors, or do I stand strong in the faith that I know is true? In the middle of that, the music plays, the band kicks up, everyone bows down, except for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In a group of thousands, a sea of humanity on their knees, bowing before this golden thing. If you look across the sea of humanity, you see three people standing next to each other. That kind of stood out. As we continue down through this chapter in verse 12, it says, There are certain Jews, these are king's advisors talking to the king, there are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon. You have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, Pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. These guys are telling the king, ratting these guys out, and they're kind of playing to the king's ego. Like, like you did these things, and they're not doing them. And it's almost like, who's more important? Who's more powerful? King, you better start flexing because uh, we're watching. Verse 13, then Nebuchadnezzar, in a furious rage commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. And so they brought the men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you're ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music to fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall be immediately cast into a burning, fiery furnace." And who is this God who will deliver you out of my hands? The king is furious with rage. So he said it the first time, if you don't do it, I'm going to throw you in immediately. But he didn't, did he? Uh-uh. Nope. He brought him again and said, let's try this again. Maybe, maybe I was mumbling. Maybe I was stuttering. Maybe you were talking to your friend and you didn't know what you were supposed to do. Maybe you did, the message wasn't clear. So there's a recommunication of the message bow or burn, and, and, and so they, they're like, okay, the king is furious. They end up not bowing. 
king gets super, super mad, like double furious, so furious, he tells him, turn the oven up to 11. Like, dial that thing up super hot. It says he turned it up seven times hotter than normal. Was it really seven? I'm not really sure. It was so hot that the people who got close to it even died. It's like saying they turned it up to 11 all the way. They broke the knob getting it turned up as hot as they could. Verse 20, and he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. So these men are bound with their cloaks and their tunics and their hats and their other garments and they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. They were covered in clothes, cloaks and I mean, I bet it was hot in there. Shadrach, it's getting hot in here. Meshach, so take off all your clothes. Abednego, I am getting so hot. I'm going to take these clothes off. But they're all bound up and they can't get them off. And they're in this oven and it's all sweaty. Because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flames of the fire killed the men who were taking Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning, fiery furnace. The king's men would have been strong, mighty warriors. They would have been really tough guys. It wasn't like me taking them up to the fiery furnace. This would have been like dudes who were like battle-hardened and jacked and like ready to deal with anything, and yet they got killed trying to drop them into the furnace. Imagine how jacked these guys were, right? Shadrach. The king's men were strong and mighty warriors. So they're all watching this go down. And the king Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. He rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered, "Uh, True, O king. Wait, 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 wait. We threw three dudes into the fire. And then the king says this, But I see four men, unbound, walking around in the fire. And they're not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. So you've got the son of God, according to this king, in the fire with these other three guys, and they're not burned and they're not harmed. The ropes and bound, everything they were bound with is gone. That burns off, but their clothes haven't even burned. He's literally looking at a modern day miracle. It is not understandable. It is not comprehensible. They're in there, and they're alive, and they have a friend. <laughs> then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace, and he declared, Shadrach, Meshach, And Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire. And the satraps and the prefects and the governors and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not any power over the bodies of those men. The hair on their heads was not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. Not even a sign of fire had been on them. No scent, no spot, no nothing. 
The king knows what he's looking at. The king knows that he is looking at a miracle. No explanation. No other way to describe it. Verse 29. Therefore, I make a decree. Any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb. <laughs> the house is laid in ruins, and there's no other God who's able to rescue this way. So he, like, becomes a Christian, I guess. He's saved, but he's not sanctified because he's, like, ripping people apart. <laughs> Such a conflict. Like, yeah, yay the king, but yay you know, the king, yeah. So he's just, yeah. Yeah, I don't know, old school. He's, a, he's an old G, he can't, he can't help himself. Decree for an entire nation. You see, the king changed his mind because of a bold, uncompromising actions that three men, when they were facing death. These guys were like, we're probably going to die, but I'd rather die standing strong than live and being in compromise. So I got kind of four ways that I think that this applies. And the first one is that we stand in public. See, the, the Christian life is not meant to be a life in isolation. Drew kind of talked about this when he was preaching here a couple weeks ago. And, and, he, and he mentioned, he's like, yeah, you know, just logging in online and watching a video and, and not being engaged in the church community, that isn't church. And no shame if you're watching online. Feel free to watch online. But just understand that that is, that is, that is like the tip of the iceberg of what the church is. And, and I get it. You're sick. You're out of town. You're doing something else. You want to watch online or whatever. Okay, that's cool. Like, that's great. But, but there's no substitute for the actual community and the engagement of, of hanging out with God's people. There, there, there is none. Right? I, and, and so, so we, we, can, we can look at it from afar. It's not me and Jesus. That's not what the Christian faith is. It's not a me and Jesus. It's a we and Jesus. It, it's a community. It's, it, it's something that we're doing together. It's the body of Christ. And, 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 if, and if you're sitting at home and you've never been part of a church, I want to encourage you, come and be plugged in. Not, because, not only because it's going to be good for you to be connected, but, but we need you. Because we need your part. And you're like, oh, I'm just a pinky toe. Have you ever hurt your pinky toe? It really messes you up if you stub your pinky toe. Listen, even if you downplay your part and think I'm just a pinky toe, we need your pinky toe. We need you here. I mean, I know that we have some new faces kind of showing up around. I know people are inviting their friends and, and they're bringing people to church. Guess what? Because we need you here. The body of Christ needs each and every one of us. And there, I think this, I think our church is still missing parts that still need to be here. Which is why I think we need to continue to invite our friends and continue to bring people. And, and we need to continue to call people to be part of the church because I think the church needs it. We've got to be able to stand in public with our faith. And how are you going to stand in public with your faith if you're living in faith in isolation? You need that encouragement. You need that to be, have people that are standing with you in your faith. There's people that are watching you, actually. You don't even know that they're watching you. You have family members that are, are watching you. Are you really going to be what you say you're about? You have friends that are watching you, co-workers, Santa Claus. He's always watching. That's a creep. 
You see, Nebuchadnezzar was a dominant general. He ruled his country with an iron fist. And, and, and he was a general that for like four decades hadn't lost a battle. He understood that the only way he was going to win and, and conquer and rule was to be so overpowering and dominant that it was do it my way or get into the furnace. You, you, you do my way or you die. And that was the way he did life. Aren't you glad your pastor isn't that way? Well, he got a lot done, so maybe there's something to be said about it. I'm just kidding. I, I couldn't. So now he hears that there are three people that defy his orders. He levels it up. The fury, right? He's, he's, he's furious. They talk to him, he gets even more furious. Furiouser and furiouser. And he cranks up the flames and gets it hotter and hotter. He's like, make sure they burn twice as fast. These guys are on my nerves because they stood in public. I got to say that, that there are going to be times where we're going to need to stand on our faith in public. And we're probably not going to look at an actual fiery furnace. But there's going to be things that might feel like a fiery furnace. The option of, well, if I stand for this, then that might happen. So we stand in public. Number two, we stand when we're pressured. Can you imagine? What's the conversation happening amongst these Israelites? They, they, they're standing there. They're talking amongst their friends. Are, we, are you going to bow down? I don't know. Are you going to bow down? I'm not really sure. What if we don't? Well, we get thrown into the fire thing. I don't want to get thrown into the fire. Yeah, me either. Guys, you know what? We're like 700 miles from home. You know, when in Babylon... What happens to Babylon stays in Babylon? You know. When we stand, when pressured. You see, when you're pressured and you still stand, people don't understand. They're going to laugh at you. They're going to double down on you. You'll be ostracized. There'll be times in the office where people are going to be like, psh, 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 when you're walking by. It's going to happen when you stand. When you stand, you get pressured. Well, when you, when you, yeah, we stand when we're pressured. When we refuse to bow, the world does have its furnaces. Yes. Yeah. The furnace of shame. The furnace of isolation. The furnace of slander, the furnace of rumors and gossip, the furnace of lies against who you are and what you stand for and what you believe, the furnace of scorn, the furnace of ridicule. You see, when we're pressured and we stand, we got to understand that there's going to be a little heat applied in the moment. I will say this, that there are different furnaces out there. Some of them are, you're standing up when you're being pressured and you're standing up for righteousness and you're standing up for what God's word says. But sometimes we have furnaces in our life that we're blaming on the devil that isn't the devil. You ever been in a self-inflicted furnace? Those are the ones like you're praying, God, please take this away, please take this away. And God's like, yeah, you could just do this and it would go away. 
<laughs> Sometimes the furnaces we end up in are a consequence of our own bad decisions. Or maybe some sin in our life. Sometimes it is an attack from the enemy. Sometimes we really are dealing with a real spiritual situation. Sometimes the fiery furnace that we're in is actually the refiner's fire. Sometimes it's a fire that God is bringing into your life, and it's uncomfortable, and it's not pleasant, but it's designed by God to get something burned off of you that needs to get burned off. I'll tell you this. As we go from this place, I know that you will be tempted to bow to something. It might not be a 90-foot-tall golden statue, but it'll be something. If the worship band wants to come, we're going to wrap this up. The third thing I see is this, is, is we stand when persecuted. When things don't go our way, how will we, we respond? How will we respond? You ever been in a place where something's going really wrong and you think the boss is going to intervene, but he doesn't? He just lets it slide? You ever been in a place where your spouse, you think they're, they're changing and then all of a sudden they're back to their same old ways? When you think that your dating relationship is going somewhere and then just break up with you out of nowhere, how do you respond when it all goes wrong? You see, these guys had received a smaller test that prepared them for the bigger test. Last week we talked about it, the, 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 the fasting and the, I'm not going to eat the king's choice meat, I'm, I'm not going to do that, and they stood strong on a small thing, and they saw how God delivered them. I want to encourage you, remind yourself of how God has delivered you in the past as you're entering into troubles for today, because the same God that delivered you then can deliver you now. And, and the path of faith that you can look in your past and say, God has delivered me from this and this and this and this, he hasn't let me down yet. Why is he going to start now? Why is he going to start now? Sometimes you have to stir up your faith. In the New Testament, in 1 Peter, it says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. There's fiery trials even today. Joyce Meyer said it this way, and I... I totally stealing this. It says, we can be delivered from the fire and our faith is built. We can be delivered through the fire and our faith is refined. And we can be delivered by the fire into his arms and our faith is perfected. Sometimes we're praying, God, get us out of the fire and God is saying, no, I want to walk you through this fire for a reason. Number four, we stand regardless of outcome. No matter what the outcome is, we will not bow, and we trust that. See, we all have fiery furnaces in our life. For those of you familiar with the story, you, you noticed that I skipped something. And I skipped something in the, in the story on purpose because I wanted to put it at the end. Because I think the most important part of this story is not what we've already read, but the part that we skipped. You see, in the middle of the dialogue with the king, when he's like, did I miscommunicate? Did I stutter? Like, when I play the music, you bow down. No bow down, you get burned. You know, like, like he was, like, breaking it down. And I skipped this part. I want to read it to you now in verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, not king, O, not king, just O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need 
to answer you in this matter. Come on. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of your hands, O king. But if not, if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Come on. But even if not, when you're facing the challenge and you're facing the, the, the pressure and you're looking at the fire and the heat and you're like, then you're saying, I'm not going to bow. And, and you got to say, I know that my God will deliver me from this. But if not, I'm still going down, standing for what I know I need to stand in. I'm not going down on my knees. I'm going down, standing up in the flames. Will you guys stand with me? See, we have to trust that, that, that God is in control of the situation regardless of what the situation is. And the outcome may be different than what we think it's going to be. We might think, God, I really want this outcome here. But, but God is saying, no, I've got something different for you. Can we trust that the different outcome is actually the better place? Because we may not see it from where we're at, but we have a God that sees, sees life from a different perspective. He sees things that we don't see. May we see things with God's perspective. May we see things and understand that the fire that we're fighting right now, the thing that we're standing strong in the middle of us, let us not waver, let us not falter, let us stand strong in the midst of the persecution. So let's just pray this. God, I know that you're able, even if you don't intervene in the way that my hope is in you, my hope is in you alone. God, let us be engaged with you, Heavenly Father, in what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Our prayer teams have been prepared and ready, and, and, and um, this morning they, they gave me a list of stuff that they believe God's been talking to them about, and so this may be you this morning. That they feel like there's somebody that has maybe a foot issue that they've been dealing with. Uh, somebody else, an allergic reaction they've been dealing with, that they, they're fighting through it. There's somebody here that's been isolated and they're feeling lonely, but God wants to start new relationships in your life. Somebody's been dealing with some sort of dread or, or impending doom. Somebody else's, they're hard-hearted. You know that you're hard-hearted, but God wants to do a miracle in your life to help soften your heart. And he wants to bring new hope into your life. If that's you, um, we have our prayer teams that are ready to pray for you at any time. We actually pray for all kinds of things every single week. If you need prayer for anything in your life, our prayer teams are here and they're, and they're, they're fired up and they love to pray with you. Um, and, uh, you know, Amber and I will be out at the, in the lobby and the Connect here. We'd love to get to know you. If, um, if, if you are new here and you have not gone through our Connect class, we would love for, for you to take that next step in, in, in getting involved at the church right after the service. It'll be over in this back room about 15 minutes from now. Um, God bless you guys and have a wonderful, wonderful week.